Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Five series with a look at Seahawks running back Chris Carson. Entered the league in 2017 as a seventh-round pick, 249th player overall selected. He didn't do much his first year, only played four games, unfortunately broke his ankle. And, you know, it has been kind of the story of his career to an extent, dealing with these injuries. 2018 had a hip issue. Last year missed four games due to a foot sprain. So I get it. Carson has been banged up over the years. But people, when he has been healthy, my goodness, like we're truly looking at not only one of the more fun backs to watch. watch. I mean, this dude's violent running style reminds me of Marion Barber. But just overall, in terms of pretty much any rushing efficiency metric you want to look at, you're going to see Carson towards the top of the list. So among 115 running backs with at least 100 carries since 2017, we got Chris Carson coming in at 12th in PFF rushing grade, tied for 15th in missed tackles force per rush, tied for 25th in yards per carry, fifth in yards after contact per rush, and ninth in first down or touchdown percentage on his carries. So, I mean, that, you know, 3.4 yards after contact per rush number tells you all you need to know about this guy. And you can pull up the tape. Even last year, I mean, I felt like he didn't have – just even his counting stats last year weren't the same. He didn't go over 1,300 yards for the first time in three years. Unfortunately, you know, being limited to 12 games, we just didn't get the consistent dose of him that we were a little more used to in 2018, 2019, when he at least played 14 games in those years. But back-to-back weeks against the, you know, Vikings and the Eagles, like he just had these mini beast mode-esque runs where, you know, there's three different guys that have a chance to tackle him, and he just kind of plows through him and finds his way into the end zone. So we saw in 2019 – if you uh, happen to have him on your fantasy squad, you are undoubtedly not too happy about those league-high seven fumbles. But people, it just hasn't really been an issue otherwise. He only had one fumble last year. I mean, if you look at his entire career, it really was just a blip on the radar. Am I saying that right? Was I saying it wrong? Is it blimp on the radar is the right expression? I saw someone reviewing the pod, and they brought up how I always mess that up. So always appreciate the reviews. Let me know. And we're going to go with blip on the radar for right now. And if I'm wrong, appreciate you guys letting me know. Anyway. Anyway, Carson, on his other 501 touches throughout his career, he's only let the ball hit the ground on four separate occasions. So the fumble issue is it's just not a, something that we need to worry about. Like 2020 would have been the year or 2019 when it was going on where we see Carson take a step back because of the fumbles, but that's in the past. There's no, we're not going to see unless it just springs back to the forefront. There's no reason why the fumbles in 2019 should have any sort of uh, just influence on uh, Carson in 2021. And, you know, even if he hasn't been McCaffrey-esque as a receiver at times, you know, he's not the most smooth catcher of the football, I would say, you know, based on the film, but he's still a more than solid pass catching running back. Not quite as good as he is as a rusher, but I mean, we're still looking at a guy that's hardly a liability as a, uh, you know, blocker. And he caught 37 passes in two consecutive years, even like, uh, you know, PFF receiving grade, we see him come in as anybody's idea of an above average running back. So Carson, he's a better rusher than receiver, but we're almost seeing like a, you know, Leonard Fournette 2019, 2020 situation where I don't think Carson on the majority of NFL depth charts would really have this chance to have a three down roll, but he's not on these other teams with a built-in scat back and in a committee system. He's on the same team that afforded him 315 freaking touches in 2019, 267 touches in 2018 and just 14 games. And he's going back in as the undisputed feature back. So I get it. 
second contract running back. I was ready to be, you know, probably out on both Carson and Aaron Jones if they were going to a new team, just because historically we don't see high priced free agent running backs keep going very well. There's an exception here and there, you know, you get your DeMarco Murray first year with the Titans come back and stuff like that, but they're few and far between. And just again, with the way Carson plays, He's someone that I understand just not really being overly high on moving forward because he's probably not going to have the longest of careers. At least you would think he's going to be 27 on September 16th. But people like we're not here to project how he's going to be in, you know, 2025. We're only looking at 2021 and per his own freaking coach, Pete Carroll. And just the, again, the whole kind of way this whole offseason has gone. Carlos Hyde takes his talents to Jacksonville. Rashad Penny is seemingly healthy and he's expected to be have at least some sort of role throughout the season but the Seahawks declined his fifth year you know option from being a former first round pick so that's not looking good the other backups Travis Homer DJ Dallas Alex Collins all guys have already been in the system anyway so it's a situation that Carson you know didn't I didn't really expect him to walk back into this smooth of a room this much of a guarantee for a three down roll but it's exactly what we're seeing come to fruition and there was a press conference from uh, January after the Seahawks lost to the Rams and uh, Pete Carroll was pretty uh, distraught about it and I mean some of these quotes are just absolutely nauseating so this is from Pete Carroll we have to run the ball better not even better we have to run it more we have to dictate what's going on with the people that we're playing and that's one of the ways to do that next quote remember I don't mind winning 20 to 9 I don't mind winning 17 to 14 I want to win control in the game that means we don't give them the football I mean Pete just win 40 to 9 win 41 to 14 like make it easier on yourself Next quote. I know the fans aren't really, really jacked. I'm hearing that, but Russ knows it too. We need to be able to knock those guys into the scheme that we want to throw at. I thought one of the really good quotes from my boss, man, Chris Collinsworth uh, over the years made a lot of sense. I think it was maybe even last year, 2019, but all the data we have tells us that like, you don't need to be a great running team for play action to be effective. Like, look, all these NFL players, I was never someone that even remotely could play at an NFL level. That was never in my pipe dream. I played division three college football, but I played linebacker. And just as someone that spent, you know, 10 plus years on the practice field, trying to hone my skills at linebacker, like you're taught from day one, first step up. It's like the opposite. If you're in baseball and you're an outfielder, first step back linebacker, it was first step up, adjust to the pass. And that's because if you're responsible for a gap and you're playing a lot of these run first teams, like you're going to get your socks knocked off if you're not, you know, playing the run first. But with that in mind, we just see play action at the NFL level where guys are averaging, you know, at worst, you know, seven yards per pass attempt play action just continues to work. And you don't even really need a good run game to force defense to respect it because it's been so drilled in defenders heads since they were kids that they need to respect the run first. So it's starting to come around the league, but we're going to continue to see play action be fine with or without the presence of a great run game. And Collinsworth admitted that and said that even though it went against his intuition, all the numbers tell us otherwise, and we need to kind of start to accept that. So Finally, Carroll said it's a football thing. It's a scheme thing. I want to see if we can run the ball more effectively to focus the play of the opponents and see if we can force them to do things like we like them to do. Just, just one quote after another, man. Sheesh. Carroll, maybe he's just being a victim of the moment. They did hire, you know, Shane Waldron from the Rams. He was their uh, passing game coordinator. So maybe he comes over, decides he's going to run Sean McVay's offense and they're going to be more pass heavy, but I don't think so, people. And it's not good for Russ. It's not good for Metcalf. It's not good for Lockett. Not good for Eskridge. You know, Gerald Everett, if that's your cup of tea. I will say, you know, this defense, 
we're looking good with them not being able to run the ball as much as they want to, because I do think we are looking at a unit that are full of frauds. Uh, you know, Jamal Adams, someone that I was certainly much higher on in the past, uh, thinking that he could be, you know, truly kind of in the Derwin James level of just overall safeties. I am very well aware that I was wrong on that sentiment. We saw him, you know, whether it was Julian Edelman or, uh, you know, Cooper Cup later, like he just does not have that coverage ability. With that said, he is a great, like, you know, for the safety position, he really is like a generational pass rusher, uh, not to overuse that word. Sorry, everyone. But, man, you look at the defense last year, and it's, it's just fraudulent how they improved. Like, they improved down the stretch, but the quarterbacks they played – just weren't even worth a damn. I mean, for the first part of the year, this was the 28th ranked scoring defense until their final six games when they faced Dwayne Haskins, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, CJ Bethard, Sam Darnold, and Colt McCoy. So that's why this defense, you know, allowed, let's see, 17, 17, 3, 15, 9, 23, and 30 points to end the season. It's because they were facing trash competition. So during that stretch, they were able to get away from, you know, throwing the ball, letting Russ cook, and they were still winning games. Very doubtful they can do that again in the 2021 but it sounds like carol at least wants to try so pff lily stat here for chris carson is going to be about really you know just this idea that he's more injury prone to everyone else and i understand his running style i understand he's an aging back I'm not saying you need to have him ranked as a legit top 12 RB1 at this moment in time, but he and Joe Mixon are just the two guys I see on Twitter where everyone just fades them. Injury predictor Twitter fades them and says, where well, they're going to hurt. I mean, Carson has missed seven regular season games over the past three seasons. Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, basically Austin Eckler missed all that and more last season alone. And we just don't even bring that up in the conversation with CMC, Saquon, Eckler in particular. I know Mixon gets hit by it as well, but like people, I'm going to have, you know, Dr. Evan Porras from Fantasy Points on this podcast before the season. And he is, you know, one of the leaders in the idea that being injury prone almost never exists. There are some very rare situations. James Conner being someone that came back from cancer. He has more of a likelihood of kind of experiencing certain injuries because his bone density just isn't as strong as it used to be. Like there are medical formulas behind some guys very rarely okay maybe being a little more injury prone my guys get a lot older that's another thing but to hold it so much more against certain players and other ones i feel like it's often incredibly arbitrary in our community so with all that said chris carson i have been dropping him down these ranks a little bit as it becomes more clear to me that penny is at least healthy enough to be involved so he's my rb16 he was actually my rb12 for a little bit in the offseason but i've moved guys like mixon uh it's christian or not christian McCaffrey's always been my RB1. I've moved guys like Mixon, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, even Clyde Edwards Alaire ahead of him because the more I look at kind of their roles, I think they have a similar three down featured workhorse role. And I just, you know, give me the younger back that I think is similarly talented over Carson when it comes down to that. Just make sure those touches are equal. So still taking Carson ahead of, you know, Miles Sanders and, uh, you know, Chase Edmonds and some of these other guys with, you know, also a backfield that we're a little unsure of, but with Carson, we don't need to be that unsure of. And that's what I'm trying to really explain here uh, the most. So he's got an ADP as the RB19. I think Carson's a fantastic, uh, you know, first running back for teams that want to try to grab, you know, three or even maybe four uh, wide receivers or a tight end to start. So, you know, he's right there. And the only concern, and this kind of leads me into the Rashad Penny conversation, 
The only concern is how involved Penny will be. We don't know. I mean, he had the horrific 2019 injury. He was back towards the end of last year, but they clearly didn't really trust him to even have like a part-time role. But if we go back to 2019 before Penny got hurt, I mean, He's not been a bust in terms of being a bad football player, everybody. He's actually looked pretty damn explosive for uh, certain stretches of time. I mean, you look at his rookie year, he actually averaged 4.9 yards per carry, 5.7 yards per carry next year. It's not the greatest, you know, one metric for defining a running back. I get it, but truly the film matches it. I mean, having this like 40-yard explosive run against the Steelers and what he did in this two-week stretch against the Eagles and Vikings showed what the Seahawks might want to do if they actually had these two healthy, which is incredibly unlikely. We have three years of evidence that tells us it's very hard for them both to be healthy at the same time. With that said, in the two games we did see it, I mean, Carson had, let's see, 12 touches. Penny had 14, 51% to 49% snap threshold. The next week, Carson had 24 touches. Penny had 19, 52% to 47% snap uh, disparity. So, yeah, I mean, Carson fully expected to be the clear-cut touch leader and accordingly should be ranked as a mid-tier fantasy RB2 or worse. But Rashad Penny, he's going that RB50 handcuff mix. He probably offers a better chance to have weekly flex consideration than guys like Alexander Madison, maybe Latavius Murray, maybe even Tony Pollard. So I don't know if you get the same three down handcuff roll. I mean, Homer, DJ Dallas and Collins are established enough there that I could see them, you know, making it more of a committee if Carson goes down, but Rashad Penny, not someone I'm saying you definitely need to go out and get, but I think where he's being uh, valued right now, again, if you, if you want to be a little contrarian, hope for, uh, you know, if you, okay, how about this? If you really think Carson's going to get hurt and you're that confident in it, take Rashad Penny at freaking RB50 because that's going to be what? You're like, you know, 14th, 15th round pick or something like that. If you're still smart with the injury predictor, then go ahead and get the guy that's going, you know, 40 spots later. But if not, go ahead and get Chris Carson as the value fantasy RB2 that he looks like entering 2021. But but hey, people, it doesn't just stop here with the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. You can also check out PFF's Podcast Network, which covers everything NFL, college, and fantasy football. Recap the NFL Draft with Mike Renner and Austin Gale's two-for-one drafts podcast, or get all the 2021 betting content you need with the PFF Forecast. Finally, if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do. But that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. So go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF. Get a free PFF Edge air inscription. Promo code PFF. Draft now. Underdog Fantasy. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Daily Fantasy Files, Wednesday recap shows, Friday 10 questions, nine episodes a week. Absolutely love it and absolutely love all you listeners. So until next time, take care, everybody.